Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Good afternoon, everybody. Uneducated economist here. Wanted to share an article with you guys. In this article, they're talking about a 30% drop in lumber prices from here. Now, we're at like 500 per thousand. That would put us somewhere in like the 350 per thousand range, which is incredible to think because just a few months ago, we were at 1,700 per thousand. Now, the person they're interviewing in this article is Michael Gade, and this is the guy who does all the information about the lumber-to-gold ratio, which if you haven't checked out some of the stuff that he does, I would highly encourage you to go and Google his name and check out some of the information that he's done on the lumber-to-gold ratio. It's quite intriguing. Now, in this article, he's talking three reasons why he believes that lumber prices are going to drop, and I thought I'd go over these three reasons. Now, the first one is the slowdown in housing construction as elevated prices dissuade buyers and sap demand, and I totally agree with that. That is something that I have seen personally as I am trying to find a place to live, and rental income or rental properties, as far as the availability of them, is like not there not in my area there is no places to rent at all especially when it comes to having a family and trying to have a house or something you know of decent size the few places that are coming up are incredibly expensive they are totally gouging i mean there's twenty five hundred dollars a month to rent a house in astoria and it's the only one available it's just scary to think now he says that this is set to reverse, and if housing cools, so will construction. And I agree with that. Like, if the price of homes falls, the idea of building a home to sell it is less desirable as the time that you're a purchase, or like by the time you are building it, purchasing all the materials and contracts and everything to get this house built, your projection of how much that house is worth diminishes the closer you get to completion that is a very discouraging place to be for building new homes however i just feel that the longer the prices stay the more likely the buyers will come in because you have to have a place to live it's like an inelastic demand these people must find a place and they are pretty much going to pay any price to get into it now if there is a downturn in the housing market a lot of inventory can come on the market very quickly as people begin to sell their second homes or even third homes that they have the places that they're not primary residents as they do not want to hold on to an asset that is diminishing in value especially if you are holding on to it because of how expensive they have gotten and you want to have that asset like on your portfolio but the moment that you start losing that, like, you know, your million dollar house is only worth $850,000, a lot of people may be encouraged to try and get that house sold. And if they continue down that path, then it'll just encourage them to sell those houses for even less. Now, I don't see that scenario taking place. Right now, I see a slowdown in construction and I see a high demand for homes. And if that continues, 
then I just feel that there is not going to be a slowdown in, in the house prices. I don't see them going up as it would just discourage more buyers. But as far as dropping from here, I think that the dropping of homes could only come with the rising of interest rates. And if interest rates were to rise, then you would probably see the home prices drop. But until then, I think house prices will probably stay fairly elevated. Maybe some areas might cool off dramatically. I mean, some places that have been extremely hot, like my area, might see you know a dramatic drop in the pricing of homes, especially if people have to go back to work, because I know a lot of people moved out to the coast because they didn't have to be as close to the Portland area. I mean, I'm not saying like everybody who moved out here is from Portland and just left their job or whatever, their their city job, their office job, and moved to, to my area. All I'm saying is it's like that's happened and remote working is becoming a lot more popular. So to fill in it, if you make a really good living coming out to a place like where I live, it's probably pretty desirable, especially if you can afford it. You know, if you were living in San Francisco, you're going to find a place that's very similar and kind of an appearance almost and character. And you don't have to live in San Francisco. You get to live in Astoria. So anyway, that's kind of what I was thinking about the slowdown in the housing I just don't know if it's actually going to happen. If it does the way he says, then I totally agree. I think that, you know, you would see a dramatic drop in lumber as there is less people building homes, inventories build, and when inventories build, prices come down. And that's where he steps into the next one, oversupply. But many many analysis see North American big I'm sorry guys, North America's biggest producers set up for a rebound. Now, they're talking about the following of the mill shutdowns and the wildfires and stuff that took place. I do not see the mills oversupplying. Like, they're already, like, starting to step back on, I don't know. We got Conifex, who's announced mill curtailments. Canfor, now they announced mill curtailments due to wildfires and uh, rail issues, like transportation issues, but they just announced it the other day, and I'll go find the article, and I didn't realize it. I thought they were talking about the original uh, curtailments, but apparently they made another announcement of a second curtailment due to the prices. So that's something that I'll leave a link down in the description for that. So that's exactly what I would feel would happen if they become oversupplied is that the mills would start going right into curtailments. That's what we're starting to see. So, I mean, although it's following down the lines of what he is saying, I just don't feel that the mills would continue to operate. I mean, maybe they don't realize like the mills have a tendency to kind of oversupply, undersupply, oversupply, undersupply until they finally reach an equilibrium. And that could be taking place, and that could be what he is seeing coming up. But from what I can gather, the mills are already set for the oversupply and starting to curtail development as we see it. Now, the last reason, and I think probably it takes like an, another guy who follows lumber to really say this, but he says that the last reason, the third reason, is that the markets will soon realize the inflation is transitory. And that lower inflation typically results in lower treasury yields. 
and yields generally have or gen, sorry and yields generally move in the same direction as gold now that's where the gold to ratio really starts to come in when he talks about it now if you think about not so much like what these two numbers are I mean, if you follow it every day, then it's important. But if you're not following every day, just kind of look at the direction that gold prices are headed and what direction lumber prices are headed. And what he is talking about is the lumber to gold ratio. And as this widen and shrinks, so ultimately how much gold or how much lumber can you buy with an ounce of gold? And when it becomes more difficult like you, you can buy less and less and less lumber with that gold. That means that more effort should be put towards like the expansion of the economy, the markets, the leveraging up kind of idea. And like, I don't suggest that by any means, but that's kind of the direction where, where you would want to head to if you were following the lumber to gold ratio. Now, if it goes the other way in gold, you can start purchasing more and more and more gold with the, or more lumber with the gold then that is telling you that there is an issue with the economy and that you need to be getting into safer places. And that's why, you know, if you follow the lumber to gold ratio, it really makes a lot of sense. Like lumber is industrial, it's, you know, it's production, it's manufacturing, it's consumer. Gold, on the other hand, is like safety, it's savings, it's like wealth, you know, a, a security kind of thing or preservation, I guess is what I should say. So it's like a completely di di different direction on what the mindset would be. So following lumber to gold ratio is, is pretty intriguing. Now, he kind of looks at it a little differently and explains things a lot differently than I do. I'm explaining it the way I see it. <clears throat> um, but, to, uh, but to think that lumber really is going to go down to 350 per thousand and stay there for any length of time, I, I just don't see it. That would put studs at like, you know, $2, $2.5 a piece. Right now, they're at $4.24. So to be at $2 would be like a price that would date back 20 years. It would, it would be a very like historically normal price. $4, $5 for a stud, would seem reasonable if you were following inflation numbers. So to drop down below this would be like a deflationary kind of thing happening in there. Like a lot of people were looking at lumber prices running up to 1700 per thousand. They thought, oh, look, inflation, inflation, inflation. Okay. And I'm thinking, okay, well, there's probably some inflation inside of that. But what you're looking at is the supply chain breakdown. So, you know, that number is going to come back down. When it did, it landed all the way down at like the 400, 500 per thousand. This is where we've been bouncing around at. This, historically, is pretty high. However, if you think about like inflation going back to like, you know, the 70s, 80s, 90s, and through the 2000s to where we are now, four, 500 per thousand is not that high. That is actually pretty low. And if there was inflation taking place and we've dropped down, I mean, think about how deflationary the number must be right now. If we are still at four or five hundred per thousand after all these years. Do you see where I'm getting at? Like if inflation has been kicking in 
during this time when lumber ran up to 1700 per thousand and we had a collapse, well, we should collapse down to an inflationary number that would be what? Beyond four or five hundred per thousand. It should be like much higher. 600, 800. I mean, I don't know. But that's if we were going into a inflationary, you know, environment when it comes to lumber. But we're not. And in fact, we may be going into a deflationary scenario real soon. And that's something that you need to watch. I mean, if lumber is a indicator of where housing is going to go, well, then you have to, you know, pay attention to why lumber is going the direction it is. But if lumber is more of an indicator of new construction, well, then we got to take a look and see why it is that people are not buying the new houses or what is it going to take for people to buy the new houses? I mean, if it takes just a small little break in the price to get them to dive back in again, that is going to be very profitable for the builders as the lumber prices are coming down and the record high sales continue. But if they drop dramatically, how far can they go down? and still be profitable as the lumber prices continue to drop. You, you see where I'm getting at? How profitable is that house going to be going into the future if the prices are dropping on it? See, that's going to be the indication of whether or not a builder is going to build. There is carpenters throughout history. There has never been a time that people were not building homes. How many are people going to be building? That is where the profit comes in. That's where, like... You know, if the builder can make a lot of money, whether he's building a $150,000 house or a $500,000 house, it's all about the money. If he can knock out the $150,000 house in three months and make $50,000 off of it, or if he can knock out a $800,000 house in nine months and make $150,000 off of it. You, you see where I'm like, I mean, those numbers are obviously just off, you know, just out of the air, but... That's kind of where I'm kind of getting at. It's like it doesn't matter how big or expensive the house is. It just matters how much the profit is going to be to the builder. And that's really where it comes in. If the prices of lumber starts dropping and the prices of the material become more, you know, easier to get, like the logistics of actually building a house becomes, you know, a timeline that shrinks instead of continually expanding out farther. If that type of environment begins to manifest itself inside of the housing market, you could find where builders are going to make more money building cheaper houses because they're going to sell so much easier than trying to build expensive homes. As it's already proving that buyers are not really interested in buying at this level. So, anyway, uneducated economist, you guys let me know.